Well, good morning. morning. How's our church today? Good. Good. Well, Brad, would you come up for the scripture today? And uh, we're going to be reading the triumphal entry today. And Brad is one of our six elders at the church. Thanks for reading the scripture today. It's my pleasure. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. It reads, Jesus' ministry in Jerusalem is the title. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, Why are you untying that colt? And disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all his wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that all of you people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. It will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Thank you, Brad. Let's pray. Lord, we invite your spirit and your word into our hearts today. Lord, speak for your church's listening in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to throw up our first photo here on the sermon title, and we're going to do a stubbornness check today, all right? So I was at the fair on Wednesday, and I went to my first rodeo, and I couldn't couldn't believe how many people got thrown into those metal fences. It's like, ouch, just again and again, and... um, also, Wednesday was about the time we were about to print bulletins, so that was <laughs> where I got this idea of just the stubbornness of some of these animals. I mean, they did not do anything they did not want to do, right? <laughs> I mean, out of the gate, it was their will versus the will of that cowboy. And I think that people in some ways are a lot like that. In our walk with the Lord... And often, what happens vertically happens horizontally in our relationships with each other. We can be pretty stubborn, all right? I see some head nods and a couple, couple elbows there. <laughs> so this might apply to some marriages, potentially, today. And um, so how do we know we're stubborn? You know, I think about 1 Corinthians 13. It's a passage on love. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it is not rude, it is not proud. I think stubborn is a little opposite of that, right? Love is, stubbornness is impatient, it is not kind, 
It is rude. It is proud. As the Scripture goes on, it demands its own way. Right? And there's a, a great poem that I really like. I won't recite it for you, but the concept is that a horse can't pull while kicking, and it can't kick while pulling. The idea that if it's pulling an honest load, it needs all four feet to do its work, to serve its master, it doesn't have time to go around kicking each other, right? Because it's on task. And sometimes we're a lot of, like horses, not on task. We've got a whole lot of time for kicking. We've got a whole lot of time for bucking authority and hurting people around us. And that's serious business. God cares about that. That passage out of Matthew we looked at last week, for Jesus to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of heart. He wants to reign over our lives. He wants to reign over our community. He wants to reign over our church. He wants our church to be a place that brings peace to the world. And for that, we got to let Christ Jesus take the saddle, guys, in every area of our lives, to let him take the reins of our life. If this is going to work, and if this is going to work, we need a king that's good and humble and gentle of heart to show us the path to peace. So I was at the rodeo, and we'll go to the next slide. I saw a lot of this at the end of that, right? <laughs> Just get kicked, kicked clear off that horse. And if you think a, a horse is stubborn, I did some research. In the passage we read, we read about a donkey who had never been ridden before. Donkeys are known for being pretty stubborn. They don't go away unless they think that's the best way. If they sense there's danger or they mistrust the person that's going to ride them, they just sit right down. I said, no, I ain't moving. Right? And Jesus tells his disciples in our first passage this morning, we can go to that now. He, go, <laughs> he tells his disciples, go into this village. As you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say the Lord needs it. I bet those disciples were like, all right, Jesus, you ready for this? <laughs> you ready to ride a donkey that's never been ridden? And yet, as the story goes, we see examples of submission. We see the creation submitting to its creators, this donkey gently and meekly, gives Jesus a ride into the city. And because of that, that donkey got into the Bible. What do you know? For obeying. Other people submit too. The disciples are following Jesus to Jerusalem. That's submission. The first verse says that Jesus leads ahead of them and they follow. I don't know how excited they were to go to Jerusalem. Three times already he told them, we're going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die at the hands of the leading priests. Wow, Jesus is submitting his will to the Father as he does that. The disciples are following. 
these disciples, they submit to Jesus as they go out and get this donkey. Can you imagine Jesus telling you, hey, um, there's going to be a car at the quick star with the keys in it. Go take it. <laughs> Wait a second. That's not ours, Jesus. <laughs> All right? I mean, we just gloss over this stuff like it's no big deal. Like, oh, yeah, just take someone's donkey. All right? Well, they, they go do it. And the owner asks them, what are you doing? <laughs> and they say, well, the king needs it. The owner submits. Okay. Jesus needs my donkey. He can have it. There's a law back then. It's a Roman law called angoria. And it means that if the authorities need to take a piece of property for service to the emperor, they can do it. If the, if the highest official of the land says they need something, they can confiscate it. They can take it. Here we have the king of kings, lord of lords, saying, I need a donkey. And the owner says, you can have it. We're also going to see examples of some stubbornness, though. In this scripture, we see the religious leaders at the temple, which is the throne room of God, established by Moses. At the temple, the religious leaders, they start to be stubborn. They start to kick. They start to say, no, we don't want Jesus to reign over us. Let's go to this next slide. What's the significance of a donkey? Well, there's a prophecy here in Zechariah. And it tells the people of Jerusalem to shout and to rejoice because their king is coming. He is righteous, victorious, he is humble, and he is riding on a donkey. Back then, if an emperor won the battle, won the war, he would return to Rome and he'd ride in. And if he rode in on a donkey, it represented he rode in on peace. He would be a man and a king of peace after his victory. If he rode in on a horse, and I'm sure he got himself a big, tall horse, it meant you better watch out, okay? Because I am ready to trample anyone who gets in my path. And Jesus comes in bringing peace. That's the message he sent. So let's go back to our passage here. How do the people respond? Oh, here's, here's another one. I mentioned this. Jesus saying that he is humble and gentle. That he's bringing peace, right? He's riding in on a donkey. And he says, you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy to bear. In other words, my reign is easy to bear. My burden for you is light. Now we'll go back to the passage and keep the story moving. So how does Jerusalem respond? Well, it says that all his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along. And they were praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. They saying, Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. This is an important event. It's one of the few that shows up in all four of the Gospels. And from that, we learn extra information. The people in Jerusalem, in the Matthew account, people in Jerusalem say, who is this guy? The Galileans are coming into town for Passover week. It's a huge celebration. The place is going to be packed. 
The Galileans, his followers, they're shouting, Hosanna, he comes to save us. Jerusalem, they come out too to cheer. But there's also some confusion if they really know what's going on. We had the parade this last Tuesday. And some people go to a parade not because they're super loyal fans of those in the parade, but you come with your little basket ready for the goodies, right? You're thinking, what can I get out of this, right? Like, I I like the fire department and all, but do you have candy, you know? And I think some of these people, given the fact that a week later they're going to crucify Jesus because they don't meet his expectations of king, they're saying, what's the reward? What's my candy? And even the praises that Jesus gets here, it's for the great miracles that he has done, the things he did, not necessarily who he is. A follow of Christ is supremely satisfied in who Jesus is. A follower of Christ doesn't just want peace from God. A follower of Christ knows that God is peace and wants more of Him. That's what it means to truly recognize the King and to let Him reign in your life. It's to see Him as supremely satisfying. Other gospel accounts here, in Matthew it mentions that they wave palm tree branches as they shout Hosanna to save us. Now that was unusual at this time. So Passover was a celebration where there was a sacrifice made for forgiveness. That is why Jesus is coming to town here. There's another celebration later on called the Feast of Tabernacles. It's the last harvest of the year. And at the last harvest of the year, they celebrate this. And that looks forward to the end times when the king will take full reign and full rule. And let me remind us that Jesus is coming again. He is coming in the last times. And he comes on a horse. Let me show you the scripture from Revelations. It says, I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. It's not a donkey anymore. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. And then jumping down to verse 16, it says that on his robe and on his thigh is written King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I don't know. Does that make you shiver a little bit? I'm glad he came the first time on a donkey. I'm glad that many of us know him before he comes the second time. We looked at it last week that the presence of God in the last days is either a delightful or a dreadful thing. It depends whether or not you know the king. For those that know him, it's a delight. The king comes with a righteous war to make things right. We long for that. But to make things right, there will be judgment. 
on the things that are wrong. And that is an encouragement for us to put our house in order, to put our heart in order, to do that stubbornness check. Say, how am I doing? And you can't say that you are loving God without loving your neighbor. If you're leaving hoof prints on people's faces, all right, there's a pretty good, it's very suggestive that Christ is not in the saddle of your life. First John calls that person a liar who claims to love God but not their brother. Or to say that you love God but not to love the church. That's like saying, you like me, but not my wife and daughter. All right? We're kind of a package deal. Jesus not only loves you, but he loves the person next to you. That's why he calls us to pull an honest load of love instead of kicking. Let's get back to the story here. We're going to look at some people that are not submitting. I kind of love that this is the last reference of Pharisees in the gospel. When they recognize, when they, when they no longer recognize that Jesus is the main part of the story, they're not in the story anymore. It says that some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, call this off. Okay? This isn't appropriate. They say, Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. That shocks me. These people are occupied by Rome. It's the Romans who should be afraid, but they see this guy coming in on a donkey and palm tree branches. I mean, that's not, the, that's not a horse and swords. They're not worried at all. And yet, if I was a religious leader of the day, I'd be saying, yeah, things aren't right. Come on, we need a king. And yet they tell Jesus, we don't want your reign. Maybe they'd be fine to have the candy, to have Jesus come and kick Rome out. They'd be fine with that. I'm sure they would. Oh, sure, yeah, give us more power. We like that. But to give the power and the reign and ultimate authority to submit to Jesus, they're not ready for that. And the opposition here this week will grow until they finally crucify the king that came to save them. Jesus replies, he says, as fitting for the Creator to say, he says, if they don't say it, these rocks will cry out. This donkey might even talk, right? I mean, this is the purpose for creation. As Colossians 1 says, that for, through Jesus, all things were created for Him and through Him and to Him. But these people, they don't like it. This theme, it carries on over this next chapter. He, he gets to the temple, and the people are just treating it like a marketplace, fleecing the people, selling animals for sacrifices. He calls them a, a den of robbers. And he flips the tables. He says, my house should be a house of prayer. How do you think the religious leaders 
felt about that. Jesus started touching their money. They didn't like it. Later, he gets confronted by the leading teachers. This is the Sanhedrin, the council. And they say, Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? He doesn't answer their question right away. But we know the answer. By what authority is Jesus doing these things? By all authority. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Outside of creation, He exists. He is the God Almighty. And these people saying, confronting Him, saying, how dare you kick your, our money changers? How dare you kick our business out of your throne room? <laughs> that perspective of an enemy of God the perspective of an enemy of God draws that circle around themselves saying, this is mine. Don't invade my space. We looked at that parable last week where there's three servants, the third one unfaithful, and he sees the rightful king as an invader by saying, this isn't yours. And Jesus, in chapter 20, he gives another parable extremely similar to that one about the three servants where a tenant lends out his land and he leaves. And the tenants are unfaithful. Even to the point that when the landowner sends his only son to collect what's his, they kill the son. That's what's going to happen here. They are resisting Jesus. They are acting as we would have expected the donkey to act. They are trying to buck Jesus off his throne. But you know what? That doesn't work. doesn't work. There's a great psalm that says, Why do the nations rage in vain? We looked at that. It's a psalm quoted when Jesus is baptized. Why do the nations rage in vain? They're not accomplishing anything. So how does Jesus respond to all this? He sees... Some submitting to his reign. He sees others stubborn towards his reign. How does he respond to this? Let's go to the ending of our passage today. As he comes closer to Jerusalem, he sees the city ahead of him. This is a Jesus who knows the future. And think about it. He knew exactly where the cult was going to be, right? Which means he knows exactly where those two cross beams are that he's going to go die and shed his blood on. He knows what waits for him. And he knows how Jerusalem is going to respond. They're not going to recognize him as king. And it says here that he began to weep. This is the second time, second and only time, Scripture says Jesus weeps. The first is at the physical death of his friend Lazarus. He's at a funeral and he weeps. Shows us the heart of God. He cares about our physical suffering. But then here, it shows that He cares about spiritual death. He sees the lostness. The beginning of chapter 19 has a verse that says for that, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
Jesus literally has the heart of God. He literally sees people with God's eyes and he weeps because he knows that they are not on the path to peace, but that they are on the path to everlasting destruction. And it breaks his heart. My pastor, when I was 20, I was in getting my bachelor's degree in pastoral ministry. I was studying all of the books. And he said, you know what, Rob? I think this is what you need. Your, your head's getting a little philosophical here. He said, I want you to go to a mall. I want you to people watch. Just sit down and just watch the people go by. And I want you to think about what if every person you saw was not on the path of peace? Or maybe nine out of ten people you saw are not on the path to peace. I want you to think about their eternal souls. Don't think about what they look like. Don't judge them by what they're wearing. Try and see their soul like God sees them. And see if your heart doesn't change. And so I did that. I watched these people, the hustle and the bustle. And my heart began to break. Usually at a mall, I'm there to think about the candy. What am I going to get? Here I slow down. I thought about the reign of Christ. The reality that some are stubborn to it. And it broke my heart as it breaks God's. As it should break ours. Jesus goes on here after while weeping. He says, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish today that you of all people, he says you of all people because Jerusalem is made out of the word Yorah and Shalom. It means bringer of peace. Their name means that they're to bring peace to the people. And yet he says, if you of all people that you would have understood what would bring you peace. But now it is too late and peace is now hidden from your eyes. He then mentions what's going to happen in 70 AD when the emperor comes in. He doesn't leave a stone on top of each other. He says, this is because you did not recognize it when God visited you. If you're hearing God's word this morning, God is visiting you. If you've ever experienced love in your life, it's God visiting you, using people, giving grace. If you have breath in your lungs, God has visited you with sustaining grace. Our job is to recognize that. To submit to that. And yet people don't go just like a donkey any way other than what they think is best. If you don't truly trust Jesus, you're not going to follow Him. If you don't truly believe that His way is peace, 
You won't let them saddle your life. If you don't truly believe that, you'll view him as a tyrant. But he is not. He is humble, humble and gentle of heart. He is trustworthy for your soul. Give him the reins. He's earned that trust. Jesus came to be king over stubborn sinners, of which I am among. (laughs) Praise God for his patience over us, calling us to repentance each and every day. There is a reason the scripture calls him the Prince of Peace. He is a path worth following. So, stubborn check. How's it going? How's the impatience with God and with others? Are you trusting His reign in your life? Are you demanding your own way with God and with others? Or are you trusting that He loves and reigns over your life? Let's enjoy His reign together. Let's share that with others. That there's a path to peace. And next time you feel your heart bristle, let it remind you that you need to be reminded of who Jesus really is. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I think of that donkey that should have been stubborn. He shouldn't have moved. Yet he trusted its maker's hands. I pray for the same attitude in our hearts, Lord. That we would trust our Maker's hands. Lord, that you would lead us to green pastures and by calm waters. That you would restore our souls. That even though we might walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, that we would fear no evil for you are with us. We claim that through the promise of Scripture, through our faith in the reign of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, go forth in peace, church, for Christ reigns.